You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, and I'm very happy to be with you today. Every Saturday, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Our program today begins with the hosts of Catholic Chicago, Father Greg Sakowitz and Mark Teresi, talking with Todd Williamson of the Office for Divine Worship about the reopening of our churches for public mass. Here's a highlight of that conversation. Todd, how are you doing today? Good morning, Father Greg. Good morning, Mark. Good, Good morning, Todd. Yeah. yeah, and that, uh, we were just talking before you were introduced about how yesterday, Father's Day, so different in terms of, again, families not being together. Right. It's just, like you said, it's a new normal. Yeah, it's a new normal in that. Uh, but you know, you as the, uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago's Office for Divine Worship, you know, with, with, with the work you do, Todd, you're the very heart of churches reopening by phases to go back to liturgy. And I have to admit, there was a joy this weekend at the cathedral. We had our doors open for the first time in 14 weeks for weekend mass. We had 5.30 on Saturday, 3 on Sunday morning, last night at 5.30 p.m. Um, 50 capacity, which is the cathedral holds over 1,000. So it was just few compared to more like a daily mass size. It was just so great to have our doors open, but um, but again, now maybe for our listeners, Todd, explain these, you know, talk about phases, phase one, one A, phase two, how some places have opened, others are reopening. Um, so, what's your take on this whole thing? Oh my gosh! Well, <clears throat> I'm glad to hear that uh, the cathedral doors were open. Uh, uh, just real quick, how 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 did it go? It went extremely well. I have to put a shout out to. Uh, Father Mark Smolka, Michelle Peltier, Lori Doyle, Ryan Petrusak, all our volunteers, without them, the doors would not open. But I have to be honest with you, you know, people were adjusting to the change. They found it hard. They were elated that doors were open to celebrate Eucharist. Uh, but, you know, again, that social distancing, six feet apart, every other pew, uh, assigned, not say, I want to say assigned seating, but, you know, sit here. Uh, they were uh, escorted in where to sit. At the end of Mass, it was row by row leaving. You know, came in off State Street, uh, exit on Superior or the courtyard. So it's it's different. But the Mass oh went well and all sing, singing very middle, no no congregational singing. Um, it it was hard in some ways, <clears throat> but a delight just to see the people there. Um, How did communion go? How did they react to your... Visor. I was wearing a face shield, and I think they're okay with that. I mean, I prefer the face shield to the mask because you can breathe better. Mm-hmm. And people coming up one at a time had their hands sanitized ahead of time. So we were certainly following following every protocol and directive from the Archdiocese. But, Todd, I will tell you, the work involved in closing the cathedral down three and a half months ago the work involved the last three months with our task force, which has been outstanding from the cathedral, the work involved for reopening, it's amazing why there is no playbook. Uh, we've never gone through this before. It's all uncharted territory. 
And so it's difficult. And I'll look at your office as you're creating these new norms and directives. Yeah, and that was, and that was, you mentioned task force. That was, that was done in conjunction with the uh, Archdiocesan Task Force that Bishop Hicks leads mm-hmm. and uh, uh, went to just an awful lot of work with um, working together with the state and the state guidelines. And all of these, Father Greg and, and Mark, I think it's important just to let the listeners know that all of these guidelines um, are here uh, for safety. Mm-hmm. Safety is the main concern. How do we keep the people of God safe as we start to come together again in a pandemic? We're still in a pandemic. We're, we are not out of this. Correct. And and how and so while yes. Uh, the uh, uh, health officials have determined that we can begin to come together in smaller groups. How do we do it safely, yeah. particularly particularly when we come to worship together? And so that's why these phases were developed. Uh, the idea that uh, a parish could open slowly so as not to overwhelm the staff, so as not to overwhelm the congregation. Uh, and so, as you mentioned earlier, there, there are there are really two phases that parishes have been going through. Vic, I have uh, to share this before we get into the phases. And that go is, ahead. Uh, where we had 50 per Mass this past weekend, we'll bump it up to 100 next weekend. But again, we're moving slowly. But at the start of every Mass this weekend, I got up there and welcomed people. So great to see you. Missed all of you. And I said, these changes are hard. Let's admit it. They're not easy. And it can be frustrating, but also joyful that our doors are open. But here's a great line I heard a long time ago. We are creatures of habit. We basically don't like change. And the only person who really welcomes change is a wet baby. <laughs> and people and laughed. Course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, and, you're right, and you're right, though. It's, it's, it, we, 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 ritual is... Um, you know, is is repetitive, and 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 we are we are creatures of habit. But um, as as people ease into this, and as they ease into these celebrations, um, I, I I have heard from parishes who have said, yeah, we're we're getting used to it. They've been open maybe a little bit longer than the cathedral, um, and they're saying, yeah, we're we're getting used to the face shields. We're getting used to the sanitizing. We're getting used to the social distancing, which is great. That's where we need to be. In your wildest dreams, did you ever dream this you'd be running an office for divine worship under these circumstances? Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> and it and it and it takes so much more than one person, right? We have a great yeah. team at ODW, and uh, ODW, as I said, has been working with the larger task force. So it's a lot of people that have put all uh, all of this together. So, but no, Mark, I would have never thought we would have been here. Yeah, that makes three of us then. And on an aside note, uh, Todd, you were real helpful. Come on over now that cathedral's open. The beautiful baptistry is in. Uh, no, I know. I understand that. I want to yeah. see it. It is beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's wonderful. So when people Pergali, come... Pergali, Pergali did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, they sure did. Fantastic. So thanks for your involvement with that, too. And yeah. That, so what, what are you hearing? What are you hearing around the parishes? Well, I, uh, one of the things that I think is important, I don't want to uh, pretend at all that this is not challenging to the parishes. Mm-hmm. We know we know how challenging it is. But some of the things that we've been hearing the last couple of weeks has just been really, really edifying, because in order to reopen it, and Father Greg, you know this, it takes a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. And in those parishes where, it's, where it is working, that's what you're seeing. You need a team of volunteers to help with this, and just the, the, the uh, examples of parishes and parishioners 
offering their help to help the parish reopen, coming together to be trained as volunteers, as ushers, as greeters, uh, as those who can help uh, sanitize hands and lead people to their seats. It takes a lot of people to do this. And the, the, where I've heard the, the really good things, it's in those parishes where the parishioners are stepping up and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, we want to help. We'll come together. We'll, we'll work together. We'll be trained. Um, and it's, it, you know, parishes that, that just are, are taking great care uh, to to uh, to reopen. There was one parish that uh, uh, up north where they had a two-hour debriefing after their first weekend to see, okay, what went well? Where do we need to improve? It's that kind of attention that really is, uh, as I say, edifying to me. Now, how are the pastors holding up? Um, they're on the front lines, right? I mean, yeah. we, we have to be supportive of our pastors. Uh, they're going through so much. The people are are you know they hear from their people the pain and the and the uh, and the the eagerness to open up again, but they but they want to do it safely. And so, if it's a bit slow for any listener, if it's a bit slow, please be patient with your pastor and with your reopening team. They are doing their best to uh, uh, to, to move forward. I think Todd, you hit it right on the head. Now, what about uh, could you explain to folks? Because one of the things we we've heard, it, you know, the reservation approach to mass i mean people are, that's so countercultural for especially for a cathedral where the doors are open everybody's welcome from not only the city but from around the world right could you talk a little bit about that sure that the whole purpose of that was uh it, you know twofold really uh, one was literally to help maintain um i call it what it you know crowd Tracing. control you know, crowd control, first of all, mm-hmm. just to, to be able to maintain the number of people that would come in. If it was just, okay, our doors are open, get in line. Father Greg, can you imagine the crowd that would gather on the front steps of Holy yeah. Name Cathedral yeah, sure. to get in? Yeah. That in itself creates a health hazard. So part of it was to maintain that. The other part of it, as you said, Father Greg, was tracing. What were to happen if suddenly there was um, uh, there were cases that stemmed from a Sunday Mass at Holy Name Cathedral. Mm-hmm. If, we have, if we have the names of people, we'd be able to alert them that a case had developed mm-hmm. from this gathering. We'd be able to alert them for their safety, to have them quarantine themselves and manage their, their symptoms to, to make sure that they were not infected as well. You know, unfortunately, we are out of time with our guest, Todd Williamson, the Director of the Office for Divine Worship in Chicago, uh, Todd, you've done a magnificent job. I think is our work is far from done. Before we close with you, do you have one piece of advice for our listeners? Hmm. Yes. Please be patient, follow the guidelines, and, and follow the requests made of the ushers and the greeters and the team members that greet you in preparation for Mass. That, that would be my advice. Our thanks to Todd Williamson for that timely information. Later in the same program, Father Greg and Mark welcomed guests from St. Joseph Parish in Libertyville who created a unique way for parishioners with compromised immune systems to attend Mass without entering a church building. Let's take a listen. St. Joseph Parish in Libertyville has come with a very unique way for senior citizens or those with compromised immune systems to participate in the Mass without entering a church building. Our guests are Stan Taylor and Deacon Dan Coughlin, 
Stan and Dan, welcome to the program this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Great to be with you. And, Thank uh, you. Now, which one is Stan? I'm Stan. And Dan. Okay. <laughs> Stan, <laughs> Stan and Dan. It's not like two, two baseball players. It's like two <laughs> baseball players. So tell us, what is this, this mass or grouping you have going on at St. Joe's in Libertyville without entering a church? Hello? Let Dan start off. Can yeah, Dan start sure. off? So, um, uh, like most parishes, Father uh, Trout, who's our pastor at St. Joseph's, wonderful a, priest, mm-hmm. wonderful priest indeed, formed a task force uh, to reopen the church. And of course, we got some uh, some great guidance from the archdiocese. The policies and procedures focused on on safety and and making people feel welcome, but also making sure that they were safe and secure in returning to mass and. Um, that's gone quite well at St. Joseph's, uh, being recertified and training greeters and people to clean the church afterwards and so on and so forth. But there's still an element of our parish um, that you mentioned that our uh, senior citizens, they're vulnerable, they're, for whatever reason, maybe they have a comp- compromised immune system. They're not feeling, even with all the safety measures, completely safe reentering the church building. And so... Under Father Trout's leadership, he he said, is there a way we could do a drive-in Mass? And um, so we put our heads together and overlaid or using the foundation that the Archdiocese gave us in terms of safety procedures and the like. We looked at our facilities and um, identified uh, our main parking lot that, that, um, and Stan can speak to how we mapped it out, but... um, created a space and came up with a proposal and uh, sent it to the archdiocese for review and approval. And it basically um, involved us creating an elevated altar, an an outdoor altar that was uh, raised to a level where we could, um, you know, everybody who drove in could, could see the altar, see the priest, see the deacon, um, uh, and uh, witness mass uh, through the radio. So we got a FM transmitter stand can maybe talk about that a little bit as well. So interesting. No one had to get out of their car, and um, and we were able to accommodate uh, uh, eighty different car spots, and um, and it really worked well. We had our second drive-in mass this past Sunday, so we started two weeks ago on the feast of Corpus Christi, which uh, was so important to. Um, share the Eucharist with... Now, again, uh, i got to ask you, has, has Mass yeah. been celebrated on the inside of the church or just strictly this uh, uh, parking lot? Um, inside. So we, we started two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago maybe, with just 50, limited to 50 people just to uh, test all our policies and procedures and make sure that we had a good working uh, environment to welcome people back. And then um, this was our second week of opening with... Um, so when Father uh, Trout has an outdoor mass and all the cars there, so he can actually tell people, honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting the way uh, it worked out. So uh, when we did the first mass, we do it at 7.15. We, we normally uh, have a 7.15 a.m. mass, and that's a very devout, dedicated group of parishioners that usually attend. It skews um, a little older, and so... We thought doing the 7.15 a.m. Mass would accommodate more of the vulnerable and the seniors. 
And so in lieu of our regular 715 mass, we decided that the drive-in mass would be 715. And and when uh, I thought they would honk at my homily, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, they, they didn't. During uh, it? Homily, during but, uh, or after? <laughs> but but when, mass, when mass finished uh, at the final blessing and the dismissal, there was a spontaneous uh, honking of horns. Oh. And uh, Father Trout actually stood at the exit and waved to everybody as they were uh, beeping and driving away. So it was... Um, we didn't have to prompt anybody. It, it happened organically, and it was just beautiful and brought a smile to our face. That's, that's, that's sure. a great story. Uh, Stan, I was wondering, first, two questions. First of all, how'd you get hooked into this thing? Because it sounds like a lot of work. And then if, <laughs> if people are listening that may be connected to their parish and want to even present the idea to their pastor, what are the logistics of this thing? Yeah, yeah, how I got hooked in was, was very early on in the pandemic, when uh, it looked like we could and should or would need to shut down the church. Mm-hmm. Even back then, uh, Father Trout was, hey, why can't we do a drive-in mess? <laughs> so just oh, more so it was on his quickly. list. Yeah. So this was on his list from an early, early standpoint, because he really wanted to keep the connection with parishioners, and he wanted to do it in a way that he thought was safe. Mm-hmm. So he, he tasked me very early on to, hey, figure out how we can do this safely. Uh, and that's, so that started the journey. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really get much, because we, there wasn't really a lot of uh, momentum in, in other churches at this time right. uh, to do an outdoor. So it really started to pick up some steam once we began to see the Archdiocese had some procedures for uh, when we would eventually be able to open up, which we now have. Mm-hmm. So that created the framework of what is the safety protocols that we're striving for. Uh, so if we saw a way to replicate those safety protocols or, in, or increase them in an outdoor drive-in format, then that might give us something we could propose uh, to the archdiocese as, a, as an option. Well, do you follow the reservation protocol where you know how many, if you can, if you said it's 80 capacity or something for your... 80 cars, right? Do you have to have people reserve those their spots? Yes, they do. Oh. So uh, we actually use the same reservation uh, system as for our in, uh, in-church masses. Uh, so we have all that information, which actually is helpful, because we've been coming up close to our, our limits on how many we can really effectively uh, park safely and still have you know, a good, if you will, a good seat in church. Mm-hmm. And stand it, does an oil change come with the reservation? <laughs> <laughs> I did talk about maybe how we could do a little, uh, at least a windshield wash for you or some kind of car wash. <laughs> Uh, that would, uh, but uh, no one, no one seemed to go for that. I, I was trying to make an angle on this. <laughs> now let me ask you this: Now there's that you have an uh, FM frequency. As Father Trout is speaking from the PA system, they hook into the radio. Yes, and and that works really well. Uh, I've I've sort of fiddled around with these sort of short range FM transmitters, uh, and always had kind of mediocre. Uh, this was you know back 20 years ago. Uh, experience with it being kind of staticky, or or the range is pretty short. Mm-hmm. But that technology has moved forward. It's still uh, low power and within the, the FCC's um, uh, transmission limits, but it puts out a very very clear, strong, high quality uh, signal. What is the signal? Uh, AM or FM dial? It's on the FM dial. Interesting. And you can select your frequency. So I think we. Use eighty-seven point nine, or what? Sure. you look for a frequency in your area that doesn't have a strong radio station, uh-huh. uh, and then you transmit the gap. I have two questions. One, I'm a development guy, 
So the more frivolous question, but not really in this environment, is how do you do the collection? And then secondly, my more serious question is, do people receive communion? Yeah, so let me, t- let me, take, uh, let me take the Eucharist first, um, as it should always be. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea uh, was to bring the Eucharist to people that uh, are certainly missing the real presence uh, of our Lord and yet aren't, for whatever reason, comfortable coming in uh, to, the, to the church building. And so w- we, we still socially distance the cars, so it's every other parking spot. Oh, wow. No one gets out of their car. You have to wear your face mask, and after the consecration, the priest or deacon and and a, a couple of Eucharistic ministers will go into the parking lot because our elevated altar is uh, right at the at the front of the parking lot, and we just go car to car, passenger to um, um, driver's side. They roll down their window. We of course have our same protocols with the mask and the face shield, mm-hmm. and preceding us is a is a greeter, an usher, whatever term you want to use, with the hand sanitizer. Mm. They sanitize the, the driver or passenger, or some people bring their kids in the back seat. And, um, and then we bring them, uh, we bring them the, uh, uh, the body of Christ. And it, it's really, it's really uh, uh, it was a, a beautiful experience, very emotional for us to do wow. it the first, um, the first weekend, because these are folks that have been away from, uh, from receiving um, communion for, you know, two to three months. Yeah. Um, so um, it was really a special uh, moment. I think our attendance grew a little bit. We had 60 cars the first weekend. I, mean, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know we had more. I don't know if Stan was there this weekend. I wasn't for the drive-in mass. So it really increases our capacity because for St. Joseph's, uh, we have our max uh, with social distancing is 178. And so a lot of people uh, in the church, in the actual church building, so in the parking lot, if we can, you know, accommodate 80 cars, then, you know, some, a lot of people are two to a car, at least some more. So that, oh, would, right. that increases our ability uh, to, uh, to serve our parishioners. So that's it's wonderful. And then what about the uh, collection? So what, so we, th- did, what we did was, um, as they drive away, we, we have a, uh, a receptacle where they can just uh, drop their uh, drop their envelope in there, and then, of course, it's just taken into the church right afterwards with um, the regular, you know, protocols. And maybe another question that's hit me right now is, what if yesterday morning had been a driving, driving rainstorm? Uh, how do you do this then? I'm, I'll let Stan? Stan talk about our contingency plans. Sure. So yeah, there isn't much of a contingency other than uh, <laughs> golf umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is, is a Father Trout, like, under in a, a canopy or something when he's celebrating Mass? Yes, the uh, the elevated altar structure that uh, our, our crew built has a, uh, if you will, a, a tin roof. So there's a, a roof to, uh, to keep the elements off. And uh, so we're, we're prepared for inclement weather. Uh, we're hoping it doesn't happen <laughs> real right, soon because yeah. it's not because, nearly as well, much here's the thing, fun. When you, do, when you do Mass at 7.15 in the morning which is an early time, you're not dealing with the, the broiling noon sun. Right. If it's a, like a 1 o'clock mass in the afternoon or noon, yeah, that does make a huge difference. And yeah. uh, But again, you know, being early in the morning, it's, it's still kind of cool out. So now, uh, Father Greg did have a message for Father Trout. He said he would be happy to gather the envelopes as people leave. <laughs> Our prayers and best wishes go out to the parish of St. Joseph in Libertyville and all of their ministries. Stick around. 
After a short break, we'll hear an update from Maze Lake Ministries and how a playwright and comedian is stepping up to help the Daughters of St. Paul. Back in a moment. How do you transform an important annual fundraising event during a pandemic? The Lake County Women's Board of Catholic Charities has just the answer. Experience the art of caring, an online opportunity to support our neighbors in Lake County who have been affected in the most significant ways by COVID-19. For 31 years, the Lake County Women's Board has raised funds through the art of caring to benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that enrich the lives of seniors, veterans, families, and individuals in Lake County. Now, and through June 30th, you can join in these efforts to ensure that this life-affirming work continues. All donations are most gratefully accepted. Go to catholiccharities.net slash artofcaring to learn more, or call 847-782-4119. Catholic Charities 2020 Art of Caring, an innovative, memorable way to help others keep hope for a brighter future. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 9.50 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. The COVID-19 pandemic has made us have to change a lot of what we do in our lives. Dr. Mary Amore talked to Father Greg Sakowitz and Mark Teresi about what's been happening with Maze Lake Ministries during the pandemic. Here's a highlight of that conversation. How are you, Mary? Oh, Father Greg and Mark, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, um, you've been, you've been, no, the last time you were on was probably sometime in 2019. Mm-hmm. And 2018, and 2017, and 2016. <laughs> now you've been leading as, as executive director of Maze Lake Ministries for how many years, Mary? Thirteen years now. Wow. I know, and you know, in those thirteen years, um, I tell you, that little boat has been in turbulent seas, but um, nothing like we just experienced. Oh my! And what we're going through now. Going through. It, See, unfortunately, it's still present, not past. Oh yes, and 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 I have to reiterate with what you and Mark said is that. You know, for all those listening, it you know it's still here, and yeah. and we really do have to practice, um, you know, the social distancing and the masks and everything. And you know, I have to um, tell you that you know personally at, at Maze Lake Ministries, we have just moved our offices, but we were in the process of moving our um, packed. Everything was packed up in in March, and we were supposed to open our new offices April first at Ascension Parish in Oakbrook Terrace, and okay. so. Everything was packed, and then, of course, on March 28th, we get the state of Illinois mandate, and boom, everything had to close. So while we closed our doors overnight, we didn't close our ministry. Um, we, like all the parishes across Christendom, um, you know, we, we just reverted to, um, you know, using technology, because from the beginning of his papacy, Pope Francis always said, and I took those words to heart, you know, use technology to share the gospel. And, you know, everybody go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think all of us who are in ministry really understand that that, is, that was the lifeline. That is the lifeline mm-hmm. um, that's keeping ministries going. So, you know, overnight we had to um, 
take our Sacred Presence program, which we'll talk about later, um, and, and put it online. And um, we've learned that that has worked just wonderfully. Um, you know, we, we began offering spiritual direction by phone, FaceTime, Zoom, and um, that proved to be a lifeline, again, to so many people that are isolated in their homes. And they, you know, Mary, and they, I have a quick question, Mary, and that is, sure. that were you have been located at Mays Lake, which I think is in Oak Brook? Oh, well, we were in, up until March, we were in Downers Grove. Okay, Downers we, Grove, but now right. you're actually going to Ascension and right. Oak Brook Terrace. Now, could so, you, Mary, just so people understand, uh, people kind of in the know in terms of Catholic circles would understand what Mays Lake's ministry is, but could you talk about its inception and, and, and your evolution in 13 years? Absolutely. You know, um, Mark, we have... Um, a long-standing history in the Chicago area, because from 1920 to 1991, we really operated as the St. Francis Retreat House in oh, Oak Brook, okay. the Peabody Mansion now. That's what people know it as. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I, oh, oh sure. sure. Yes, right. And we were founded by the Franciscans. And, but in 1991, due to financial constraints, they had to sell off the property and the retreat house um, to uh, DuPage Forest Preserve. But at that time... Father Jonathan Foster, our founder, um, felt the ministry work they were doing was too valuable to just let go. So he founded Maze Lake Ministries as a retreat house without walls. Wow. So we're coming up on 30 years next year. Um, And in those 30 years, you're right, we have evolved. Because um, what's happening, um, and we've talked about this before, is, you know, people's lives are so busy we're finding out that, you know, they don't have the time um, to go on a weekend retreat. Mm-hmm. So we have adapted um, our, our program to engage Catholics in a modern world. Would you meet them on their turf where they're Correct. at? Correct. Absolutely. Now, just back um, up again, Mary. You said in 1920 it was founded as, the name of it was? St. Francis Retreat House. Okay, in Oak Brook mm-hmm. until 1991. Correct. I actually spent, I think, four days... Back in 1974-75 as a seminarian at Mays Lake in Oak Brook. That's, I'm actually going back that far. And, and oh, the, yes, they had the St. Pascal's um, yeah, right, the friary yeah. over there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the walls shook. <laughs> the walls. <laughs> <laughs> that was that noise we heard way back when, when I was growing up. Oh, my gosh. So No, so we Thunder really have a, a long history in the Catholic community of um, Chicago and the suburbs. So. So it's just, you know, so we, you know, have now moved almost, you know, back closer to our original home from Oakbrook to Oakbrook Terrace. So it's uh, it, our new offices are wonderful because it's so nice to be anchored in a parish. Um, and this is a very large parish in Oakbrook Terrace that really had a lot of space um, for us. And so we have four spiritual direction rooms. We have use of, um, you know, the church facility, beautiful gathering spaces. When we, whenever we can, you know, get the go ahead to have in person programs. So, but until then, you know, we are continuing to um, serve the people of God through technology, so and what, people are still coming for in person spiritual direction. How has COVID nineteen directly affected what you do? Um, oh, it's it had a huge impact um, because, as I just said, we would be furnishing 
um, speakers for parish missions. We would be traveling. We would be, um, you know, doing religious education retreats for teachers and staff openings, and no one's gathering in person now. Uh, yeah. However, um, we are offering that by, you know, technology, via Zoom. You know, we've learned and quickly to do retreats, uh, days of retreats, reflection, I should say hours, because um, nobody can be tied to a screen all day. But um, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to offer someone a prayerful experience, you know, through their screen. You know, Father Greg, I have to tell you, um, I don't know how much time we had before a commercial, but... Um, We're doing fine. Okay, f- you, you and the Cardinal, um, my husband and I have participated on Sunday Mass every Sunday since this hit. And what I've learned is it's not that I'm watching Mass on TV, but it's the intention of your heart. If you come seeking Jesus through the celebration of Mass, which is featured on your screen, you're going to experience it. Mm-hmm. And um, we are so um, grateful for you and the Cardinal for doing that every Sunday, and for all the pa- pastors across you know, the Chicagoland area. But I also want to thank Mary, the Office of Radio and TV, which is Michael May across the uh, glass mm-hmm. here, and also Brian Brock, and Jim Dish, and Javier Garcia, and them. ABC Television, Father Mark Smolka, Michelle Peltier from the Cathedral, and others who have done, uh, Mark Teresi have done just a great job. Mary, so yes. Holy Name Cathedral, Word Parish. Greg talks about we have to look at new paradigms in terms of how we're how we're doing parish. How you do church? Yeah. How how does Maze Lake Ministries fit into that for parishes? Well, you know, Mark, when you look at any parish, even the cathedral, I mean, there's one, two, three at the most um, priests to serve. You know, a community of three thousand or more people, and and so one of the great ways that um, you know, a, 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 a pastor can't do everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to engage your parishioners um, in spiritual direction, which we offer, um, you know, ultimately, you know, spiritual direction is an excellent pathway to help people renew their faith. Um, because within the spiritual direction session, the spiritual director and the directee, with the help of the Holy Spirit, prayerfully um, joins in a shared dialogue where the director can help this person see the action of God working in their life right now, right now in the isolation, right now in the anxiousness they're feeling. So, again, I I like to use that word lifeline. And ultimately, the results of that um, is that once someone really becomes renewed in their faith, um, healed from whatever is, you know, happening in their life, um, they're going to come back to the parish as a vibrant parishioner, and they're going to be more engaged, and they're going to be into evangelization and everything. But it's it's just getting them over that spiritual hump that a lot of people find themselves in. And so we're really a resource for parishes all over Chicago area and the Diocese of Joliet. Do you look you know. at stewardship? Uh, one of the things that uh, is important is people understanding their gifts and how the gifts fit in to the broader, their parish mm-hmm. and the broader church. And that needs significant reflection and formation. Do you uh, have particular folks that are tuned into that? Yes, we yeah. do. We have, um, you know what, I, um, if people go on our website mm-hmm. at um and hit spiritual directors, you'll see the, the list of our um, 
specialized areas of interest. I mean, we have people... Now, what's the website again, Mary? It's maeslakeministries.org. And while you're talking, what is a phone number they can possibly call? 630-852-9000. One more time. Um, 630-852-9000. Now, speaking of spiritual directors, what is a sacred presence program? Okay, um, our Sacred Presence program, you know, we began to realize that there was such a need about four years ago. Um, there was such a need for people wanting spiritual direction, and yet, you know, um, who, how do you create, how do you become a spiritual director? So we, um, we formed this program, it's called Sacred Presence, and it's a 10-month formation program for those interested in becoming a spiritual director. So we're going into our fourth year now, and, you know, taking what we learned this past spring, because um, t- tomorrow, actually, we're having our certification ceremony online for our um, class of 2020. But beginning in fall, we've made the decision to offer um, the Sacred Presence Program um, as a, an online experience, a formation program for the whole year. Now, how long has this been around, the uh, Sacred Presence Program? Four years. This oh, we're okay, going into our years. fourth okay, year. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the criteria of selection for a candidate that can be a part of this? Okay, um, people who are looking to be, become a spiritual director, a director um, we ask them to be in spiritual direction. So, you know, in other words, I, we've, I've run into a few people that go, I want to do that. But then in talking to them, we realize they've never even engaged in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction. So you have to understand what it is. Um, And then, um, you know, we need letters of uh, reference from their um, pastor and um, people that have known them a while. Um, And so, yes, I mean, it's a a, a Catholic program, and it's, um, you know, it provides men and women with the spiritual formation and necessary skills to answer God's call to the ministry. A question for for our our listeners, Mary, and that is, uh, I know it sounds obvious, but what is spiritual direction? What is a spiritual director? Okay, you know what? Thanks for that question, because I think, first of all, that word direction, you know, it's not someone telling you, now you go home and you do this, this, and this, and your life's going to be better. It is um, the director who is um, formed in the necessary um, spiritual formation plus the skills to listen, um, sits with the, the, the director, directee, and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they, they listen. It's the art of sacred listening. And then, you know, to hear someone say, you know, well, you know, um, I've lost my faith, God is not working in my life, and to help them realize, no, God is there. You know, and when they make that aha moment, and it takes many sessions to do that, but as long as people, if the heart seeks God, the heart will find God. And so that's what a spiritual director does. There's a beautiful line in that it goes like this. No matter how many steps we take away from God, mm-hmm. it only takes one step to get back to God. Right. Now, we only have a couple of minutes. Tell us about the fall conference featuring Father Ronald Rollheiser, who is an incredibly gifted writer and speaker. He is, he, he's just profound. Um, he, um, you know, loves our ministry and comes every year. And um, so our fall conference is November 7th. But again, because of the coronavirus, it will be a virtual online experience. Um, and, you know, in many ways, this is great because it opens it up to people outside of Chicago. So we do expect this to sell out virtually. And so people can buy tickets um, beginning July 1st. 
They're only $20, um, and it's from 9 to noon. And Father, um, you know, Ronald Rollheiser is such an engaging presenter. And he's going to be talking about um, fear, overcoming our fears um, with our faith in Christ. So Now, if someone a, wants to buy a ticket, how do they get Oh, the, I'll go online at mazelakeministries.org. Okay. So as of July 1st, they'll be available to Which uh, happens purchase. to be a week from today. Correct. And by the I way, believe it. how's this? Christmas is six months from today. Oh. Um, we're halfway home. <laughs> Our virtual Christmas is six yeah. months from today. Yeah, seriously, Amazing. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Six months from today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my greatest fear, and I pray this doesn't happen, is that Christmas repeats Easter. I know. Where the doors are locked. Okay, they keep mm. talking about respiking, and I pray no. Uh, I'm not sure how much more people can take, but I mean, you get through it. But mm-hmm. still, because God is with us, mm-hmm. but let's let's take one day at a time. Correct. And, right. Uh, if we so look ahead, his topic yeah. is going to be on fear. That's very important yes, topic. Absolutely. Yes. And he's just you know he's just wonderful. And so um, I would encourage people you know don't wait once it opens up because we will be able to pull people from all over the United States for this event. Mm-hmm. We can hold up to five hundred people, so um, it will definitely be worth it. And he be, will um, sell out. He will sell up, absolutely. We need to so, bring this segment to a close, but again, Mary, one more time for your phone number and web. Okay, it's um, 630-852-9000. And the web? org. Our thanks to Mary, and we give all of our best to Maze Lake Ministries. In our final segment today, playwright and comedian Vicky Quadi gives news of a special summer online performance. Portions of the proceeds will go to the Daughters of St. Paul, whose religious bookstore on Michigan Avenue was heavily damaged by looters following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Sister Tracy Dugas of the Daughters of St. Paul also participated in the conversation. Let's take a listen. Sister Tracy, what happened to your store on Michigan Avenue about three, four weeks ago? Yeah, it was the evening of uh, May the 30th that... um we got a phone call from some neighbors uh, who live downtown here on Michigan and just gave us a heads up that there was um, what started out as, as peaceful demonstrations actually were becoming violent and that there were fires being started in buildings. And, you know, we're um, here on Michigan as a mission, and so we, our residence, our convent, is above the store. Oh, wow. So, of course, that was extremely concerning to us, and we... Just stayed vigilant throughout the night, and um, and they did uh, break open into our store. They they broke through the front glass and entered the Book and Media Center, um, and took. Uh, they actually took the, the the money, which is you know, if anything, go ahead. Um, we were hoping they took a few books in case <laughs> they wanted to read them. Uh, they would actually experience some, maybe some grace of God. We're not sure if they did. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were um, not exactly uh, prepared for, for that type of thing. We were, like everyone else, ready to at least open, reopen our doors in the first week of June, hoping to do so. But that got delayed. But now we are open, thanks to um, the fact that we were able to, to get things um, repaired, and to restore some of the damage. Um, so we're very, very Now, Sister Tracy, how that. bad was the damage? Of course, they broke the glass. They mm-hmm. broke into the register. 
did they take the books and just fling them off the shelves? No, no. And actually, when we um, reviewed the the security footage, um, it's it's the fascinating thing to see something something like they had a full momentum coming in there, and yet when they entered past the threshold into the front of the book center, something stopped them. Wow. Like they just stopped. Hmm. And I don't know. Um, we just we know we were praying. And um and it's between them and God, but uh, but but no, they did not like ransack the place. They they didn't topple statues. They didn't. No, no. So oh, I that's, think that's, from what we could good. see, because obviously we could see what was happening on With the your street videos. level. Um, but but what? No, live because we were in the building and mm-hmm. we were looking out of the windows, and um, and it was you know it was it was sad and disturbing that there was a, a destructive. Um, force, I would say, that was motivating them, and and it was, it it really did not have the same message that was getting across with the demonstrations. It mm-hmm. was it was something completely different. You know, I'm and, all uh, for peaceful protest in a time this is needed, but once you cross a threshold and become, you know, uh, looting fires, that crosses a boundary, and that it is not productive to the whole situation. No, it just isn't. No, but but thank God, nobody. The sisters were not hurt, and yes. you know, nobody was hurt there. So now, Vicky, in light of what Sister Tracy just said, now you've decided to do what? Well, when I heard that the store was looted, I was really upset. I thought, who breaks into a religious goods store mm-hmm. and does that kind of damage? Exactly. And I understand from Sister Tracy uh, that um, um, the the chapel was a concern. That um, uh, and then items were removed from the chapel for safekeeping, um, oh, and just that that whole idea of someone breaking in and stealing the registers and frightening the nuns who are living upstairs. Uh, it to me it must it sounded like just a horrific um, an incident, and it could have gotten so much worse considering there was a fire uh, and a building had been set uh, on fire very close to there. Um, so I decided that I wanted to do something to help. Um, and what happened is my videographer happened to contact me and say, you know, I was going through my files, and I have a really good um, videotape of um, Christmas bingo from 2018. Maybe you could do like a Christmas in July thing, you know, to, to uh, you know, keep your, the, the names of the shows alive um, and, and stream those. And I thought I could do something better than that. I could use that to help the daughters of St. Paul uh, and uh, to give them a little money to, to hopefully, um, you know, maybe get some more uh, products in the store or you know, improve the, uh, you know, the display cases or whatever, you know, whatever was damaged. Um, and, uh, and so I contacted Sister Tracy and... and uh, said, I'd like to do this. And then with her blessing, I went ahead and, and uh, I put it on Vimeo, and then I put the event on um, Eventbrite. And then uh, so people can buy their tickets on Eventbrite, they get sent the link from Vimeo, and then once um, uh, all of that gets um, um, is finished, they, um, I'll be able to provide that, those funds um, to the Daughters of St. Paul. Now, is that open-ended or is there a date on this 
Well, I, I initially said it was to July 31st, mm-hmm. so that it would be, um, it would sort of be like a Christmas in July event. Um, and then my idea is now I'm going through more videos to see what else I can post. Sister Tracy, I had a question. As you, as you and the other nuns kind of came back into the store and realized you had to do some um, some healing probably on your own in terms of the vandalism, you were praying for those folks. Um, where did that come from? I mean, I, I, I probably wouldn't be as gracious about the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say that definitely, um, you know, as you all mentioned when we were talking earlier, like your mind is going. You're, you're, you, you've seen, like I saw images uh, obviously right outside our window, and mm-hmm. then I was seeing things on social media, which was even worse. And so you're right. You don't know what the, the limit is. And it seemed like that night there was no limit. So mm-hmm. we didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, and I would, I definitely felt like um, I, I could feel the tension and the anxiety just rising and rising mm-hmm. and rising. And at a certain point within my heart, I felt um, just a calm voice say to me, you know, you don't have to give in to these feelings of fear. Mm. You have a choice of where you wow. put your thoughts and your energy and at that moment, I felt like God gave me an image of a magnet. He's like, be a magnet for good. Call on the good and pray for these misdirected, misguided people who are using violence to try to achieve something. But unfortunately, destruction is on the only end of it. So I don't want those souls to be destroyed in the midst of it. So that's what I started to do. And... um just intercede for them and pray, and I felt myself actually physically calm down. Wow. Um, but, you know, the thoughts come back, and you have to deal with it later. So um, it's trying to just, uh, you know, and also praying for folks that are that deal with trauma on a daily basis and, and in some wow. ways um, moment-by-moment basis, and it's, it's easy to, to not think <clears throat> of them and not realize that there are people out there that need much deeper healing and help um, sometimes than we do. You know, here's something very interesting. That is uh, when whole COVID-19 started back in March with the stay-at-home, about a month into it, so it'll be probably close to uh, Easter, um, I read a great article that said, as we're going through this, you know, beside praying to God and trusting, he called it radical self-acceptance. When you're under a lot of stress, and things have been so changed, and our lives have been turned upside down, now is no time to be hard on yourself, to be judgmental, be nice to you, called it radical self-acceptance, to be kind. And also, talking about the, with the protest uh, near the cathedral, which we also experienced, uh, by the grace of God, the cathedral was 99% left alone, just tiny, tiny damage, but really nothing. But about two blocks away, uh, a gentleman and his, his family live above, in their building, uh, a store below. And they blew out the windows and vandalized the inside of it. The next morning, early, he's in there cleaning up. His name is Bob. Cleaning up the building with his renters helping out. Six or seven protesters from the night before 
came and helped him clean the building because he because these people said we were not part of the violence so we're very sorry he was so touched that some of the protesters helped clean up the damage inside the building and he said i'll always remember that mm-hmm. the, the, the kindness of him to come back the next morning to spend about four hours on sunday morning cleaning the destruction and sister tracy said you you do make a choice yes Exactly. There is a choice every day. Uh, probably yes. separate from the pandemic, that is life itself in terms mm-hmm. of making choice. Right. But the pandemic kind of puts a lens on it. Yes. And it, uh, now, as you move forward, Vicki, with this whole situation with uh, Sister Tracy, that is this, is you're doing this, as you said, through July 31st. Well, I'll do it uh, right now through July 31st. We can always extend it to the rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be great, um, and I posted on my on my um, my website, which is <clears throat> excuse me, it's nuns for fun n u n s the number four fun dot com hmm. nuns, okay, so nuns for fun and the four is the number, uh, four. The number four and it's all dot, one word dot com nuns for fun dot com. So I posted a link to the Eventbrite so people could watch the Christmas bingo performance. And I also posted um, a link if they wanted more information about the Daughters of St. Paul and also a link if they just wanted to donate directly. Um, Because I've had a number of people contact me to say, how can I just send a donation directly to the nuns? And so that link is on my website. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful vehicle. Now, I have a question. So you've been an actress how long, Vicki? Oh, I've been working in theater for over 25 years. So... How do you get that actress actor fix? <laughs> do you well, do you, do you pass a mirror and do do a little something? <laughs> well, it all starts with the writing, you know. So mm-hmm. the Nuns for Fun is my my, my production company, okay. And um, we produce um, religious comedies that I've written, and including Late Night Catechism, Bible Bingo, all my my whole bingo series. I have shows called Put the Nuns in Charge, and I mean, it's just I've got about a dozen different shows that I present. And, um, and, this and whole, yeah. it's all started what year, Vicki? It all started in 1993. We just hit our 27th year. Congratulations. Wow. You know, 27 and, years. And my wife and I have been, uh, and you get it. I mean, in terms of, <laughs> I, I think in terms, well, for instance, we were at a show at Oakton Community College. and mm-hmm. With Vicki? I don't think it was you, Vicky, but one of one of from your order. Mm-hmm. And um, she asked a question, and I was sitting with a Jewish couple who are friends of ours, and I knew the answer. I raised my hand, and I'm ready to answer. And she says, "Mr. Tracy, take your hands out of your pocket before you leave." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it all came back to me. Right. It yeah. all came <laughs> back. <laughs> to- <laughs> yeah. See, the thing is, what you've done for years, Vicky is you've tapped into the our experience. We're able to kind of look back and laugh at ourselves and not take everything too seriously. But you do it in, in a very sacred way, in a very playful way. Right. And to be able to kind of, ta- and again, the gift of humor. And, and the other yeah. thing, for me, experiencing it in that forum, it, uh, it reminded me of how wonderful the nuns were. I, mm-hmm. I grew up at St. Clement's, the... Uh, uh, Sisters of St. Francis, how wonderful they were. They got it. They cared for us. They were strict, 
but they were strict for our own good in many instances, and they just cared about I us. had the same thing at Mary Street of Wisdom in Park Ridge with the Sisters of Mercy. They were wonderful. Mm-hmm. They, were, they cared for us. They really loved us, and uh, they were strict in the best sense, but also very compassionate, kind. Um, I've, I have great memories of my sisters growing up at uh, you know, Mary Seat of Wisdom. But you knew you were in for it. If if Mr. <laughs> Teresi, you knew oh, if Mr. they used Sackworth, the Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sackler was not, was not a good moment. <laughs> uh-huh. Greg was I mean, fine. Um, you know, St. Clement's is my is my, my parish. Is uh, it really? Yeah, um, oh, I have three kids and they all went to St. Clement's. Oh, what a wonderful. Oh, wow. What my, You know, this is how old I am, but in high school we started the folk group down in the lower church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... And all of us, all of us were baptized there. I mean, it's a wonderful. It's still a vibrant. Are you talking about hootenanny masses? I don't know. If, <laughs> oh, that's what you would call the, the hootenanny masses. Yes. You're just to flip gears for a second, <laughs> Sister Tracy, you've been in religious life for how many years? I entered the convent in 1991. I was 19, so it's uh, it's getting up there. Tw- almost 25 years professed. So, yeah, it's good. And you grew up. Are you from Chicago? No, I grew up in South Louisiana. I was a public school student, and um, it wasn't until my latter year of high school that I started to consider it, only because I saw a nun depicted in a movie. Wow. Really? What movie was? Do you 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 remember the name of the movie? That Elvis movie? It was an odd, strange, bizarre movie. (laughs) 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 Planet of the Apes. And and it was so weird. And I remember thinking, well, I don't get all that whole thing about the story, but I sure like the nun. Now, that (laughs) is interesting. How did you find the daughters of St. Paul? Well, I was kind of dropped off. um, uh, (laughs) Dropped off? I know. I was invited by a, a young woman who saw me talking to, I call her like a, a, a pre-nun. She was thinking of entering a convent. And this was after the time that I had seen the nun in a movie. And I was like, I need to find out about this whole thing because, again, public school. And then when I did, I re- this girl says to me, I'm going to visit nuns. Come with us. And so we went. And the first stop was at a book and media store. And I thought, well, I guess this is before we get to the monastery, but sure enough, it was the Daughters of St. Paul. Oh, isn't that something? Sure I am. Vicki, there's yeah. a script there. There's, there's a, a script. script. <laughs> I mean, talk I'm about... I'm curious <laughs> about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. fascinating. What was the name? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's that's a fascinating story. And then, how many years have you been down here in Chicago? So, I arrived this last stint um, in September of, of 2019, mm-hmm. but... Actually, Chicago was my first mission after I made um, professed first vows in 96. So I was here from 1996 to about 1999. Now, the bookstore there on Michigan Avenue, the exact address is about 400? No, it's actually 172 North Michigan. 172 North Michigan. Right, between Lake and Randall. It's been there for how many years? You know, I was trying to calculate what that at that ages, and I'm not quite sure. I know it's about 50. Here's a reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website, archchicago.org. We have daily Masses and Sunday Masses in English, Spanish, and Polish. That's archchicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning to Univision for televising our Spanish-language Mass at 10 a.m., and Polevision for televising our Polish-language Mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio, 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. 
I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.